Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget, and I want to tell you guys about Infinity Artist Agency, IAA. It's a full-service talent agency that delivers representation across all artistic spectrums in the entertainment industry. If you're an aspiring artist and you're trying to get into the entertainment business, hit these guys up at infinityartistagency.com. At the bottom of the page, you can submit your personal information and they'll get back to you. All you got to do is fill it out and it could change your life forever. Thanks, and let's get back to the show. Perfectly in this post watch. Hey everybody, Tyree here with Before I Forget. No Kevin here today, sorry. But we do have a guest. It's our good friend, Mr. Pichek. The thing is, we were really close friends, uh, and we really are still close friends uh, when I was in Germany. And, uh, he wanted to tell a story, and uh, I brought him on. So here he is. Go ahead and say, hey, man. What's up? What's up? This is William Pashajnik, P-Check, P-Diddy. A lot of different uh, nicknames for me because no one can say my last name. So, yeah, glad to be on the show. Various different names and nicknames and shit. <laughs> Over time, I remember it was like you could just be quiet and hear, hey, P-Check, hey, uh, P-Diddy, hey, uh, I'm like, God damn, man, that ain't his name, but whatever. <laughs> Here we are. Depending on the NCO, depending on what my name was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we asked several questions that are kind of the same for every show. For this particular show, I'm going to ask you, where were you? Oh, no, no. Uh, Why did you join the military? Um, Let's see. Um, uh, I just always fascinated by the military. I had um, family members that were in it, like great-grandfather, grandfather. Um, never knew them, but, you know, just, you know, seeing stories, um, Desert Storm was during my time period when I was a kid, um, seeing it on TV, you know, it just always fascinated me. Mm-hmm. The Marines commercial really fascinated me. I wanted to be the guy with the sword and slay the dragon and that didn't work out because the Marines didn't want to take me, but you know, it is what it is. I joined the army and what was the, uh... What was, anyway. what was the hang up with the Marines? So I did a lot of, you know, smoked a lot of weed when I was a kid. Hey, hey. Um, the, I had this Marine officer sit me at this table and there's this paper on the wall and it says, basically, if you lie in your application, um, you could go to jail and da, da, da. So I'm, I think I was like 16 or 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading this and I'm like, oh, damn, I don't want to go to jail. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I smoked weed, whatever. Freshman, sophomore year a little bit. And then I kind of got my act together, mm-hmm. got my grades up and everything. And he was like, hey, so I know you want to join the Marines and everything, but you're going to have to get recommendations from your teachers, your counselors, your job, all this stuff. And I was like, OK, cool. You know, I'm, I'm in good standings with everybody. It should be easy. Mm-hmm. So I did everything this man wanted me to do. He comes back and says, you got to serve two years in another military branch before you can join the Marines. Whoa. Like, 
Yeah, exactly. I was like, you must be crazy. Yeah. By the time I get two years in, that's like you're just getting settled and stuff. And then I'm going to go back to boot camp, you know, for the Marines because they don't take anybody else, you know, mm-hmm. from prior service. You got to start all over. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. So yeah. I went across the way to talk to um, the Army. And the guy was like, yeah, you experimented. That's it. Don't put anything else down. You've been arrested. Nothing. No one's going to find out. <laughs> hey, by the way, we're also going to give you, you know, this bonus and you get to pick where you want to go. And I was like, awesome. Let's do it. What was the bonus? Oh, 2,500 bucks. Hey. <laughs> and it took me three years to get it. Hey, I actually beat somebody for once. I got four grand. So, hey, you little, little ass. Okay. Well, how many you signed for? Uh, three years. For that first one? All right. That's not. Eh, okay. All right, that's some trick off money. Yeah, yeah, and it took three years to get it, so yeah. Shout out to them by forty two alphas. <laughs> All right. over that finance work. Anyway, yeah, and then I hear other people, and they're like, "Yeah, I got ten grand. I got fifteen grand." I'm like, "How? What? What do you mean you got? How did you get that kind of money, man?" But then they tell you like, "I'm doing like six years." I'm like, "Damn, man, it's like a prison bid. How many yeah. years you got? Six? Fuck. Yeah. My next, my other enlistments, I got more, but you know, it took, it took going through active duty and then going to the guard and they're like, Oh, we'll give you 10 grand, three years. And I was like, Oh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So what about, um, did, was nine eleven before or after basic training for you? In the middle of basic training. Oh, okay. So tell me a little bit about basic training before and after, uh, the attacks. So I joined, I was in 30th AG in Fort Benning, Georgia, June 19th, 2001. Started basic training July 6th, so just after the 4th of July. Normal basic training, getting yelled at, you know, we're all kind of doing the same thing. We're there on our own accordance, you know, talking to everybody in basic training, like everybody's coming in to serve their country and you know, different reasons or whatever, but it's, it's kind of low key. Like it's not, we're not on the brink of war or anything. So it's just different. You know, mm-hmm. when nine 11 happened, I actually was on KP that day and I had a drill sergeant come in and he's like, Hey, um, me being from Phoenix, I didn't know much about New York. So they're like, Oh yeah. World trade center got hit by a, an aircraft. So I read, I guess, I don't know, years before that, that, a small little plane that hit the World Trade Center. It didn't do any real damage or anything. You know, no big deal. There was the bombing at the World Trade Center. You know, the place was still standing and everything. So, you know, we're not getting to watch TV or anything. So I'm just taking what this drill sergeant's telling me. He comes back like 10 minutes later and he's like, another plane hit the other tower. And we're like, what? I'm like, I, I just can't put it in my mind because I've never been to New York. I don't know what's going on. They bring everybody back from the field who was training and everything. And then from that night forward, we watched um, an hour or two of the news every night. Um, unless we were out like in the field training, we would watch it every single night because we had guys that were from New York. Um, you know, this is just world news. We're, this is we're on the brink of war, basically. Um, what yeah, are those guys? It's, uh, it's different. Those guys it's different. from New York, uh, how do they deal with it? Um, it was crazy, man. Um, we had a couple of split ops. So those are the guys that come in for, 
you know, basic training, then they go home for a year and then come back for AIT the next year. Mm -hmm. And they went straight to um, guarding airports and doing all that stuff. So for them, because I linked up with some of them later on, um, they, you know, their whole life was flipped upside down. Like they couldn't get a hold of their families when we were there in basic training because all the phone lines were down. Um, I mean, this wasn't the time with internet and stuff, you, you know, that was AOLs, dial up, we're in basic training, they don't have any of that stuff. <laughs> so it was just the payphone calling, you know, back home. And if you couldn't get through, you're just freaking out. So it was a lot of people just like nervous, like not sure what was going on. Um, all the drill sergeants are, you can just tell that it was just, it was different. Like everybody was on edge. We didn't know who attacked us. We just know that this is an act of terrorism since Pearl Harbor. Nothing like this has ever really happened. And here we are freaking don't know who it is. We know we're about to go somewhere and do something to somebody to retaliate for what just happened. But, you know, we're in the middle of basic training. So the cadences started changing. They're all like war cadences. You know, um, you got privates um, standing guard outside of uh, different checkpoints on the base and everything. It was just everything was upside down. So September 11th, that was a month before I graduated basic training. So when family day happened, my family drove up from Florida to Georgia and they said it took like four checkpoints just to get on base. So everything's locked down, secure. They're just, you know, they're not taking any chances. Um, everything was just flipped upside down, man. It was crazy. Yeah. It was the same thing with us. Um, Hey, private grab that gun. I mean, we, they gave uh, some of the guys, uh, ammo, but like five bullets or 10 bullets or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Same, same. Um, that's, uh, it's still wild that I'm still finding that we are all there around the same time because again, yeah. you know, we're all, you know, where we are. So you finish basic training. What, what do you do after that? Did you take on so home leave or did, did you go straight to Germany? Yeah, I took leave. Um, I did two weeks in Florida, saw my family. Um, then I did my hometown recruiting. I did two weeks back in Phoenix and then I flew out to Germany. So I get to Germany about mid-November, right before Thanksgiving. Mm. And then we already know where we're going. We, As soon as I touch down, they're like, yeah, you're going to uh, peacekeeping operations in Kosovo. You know, we already know we're doing about to do a 52-day rotation in the field. So what we thought we were going to go to, you know, Afghanistan or anything like that, all that was off the table. We were like, hey, we already have our mission. Let those other guys go to wherever they're going to go, so... What was you, what were your thoughts on that? Like, hey man, this this fight is someplace else, and we're gonna go do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was weird, man. Like, I mean, I mean, I I understand the military, and uh, you know, people have to do rotations and stuff. And obviously, the stuff that happened in, in um, Kosovo with the Albanians, the Serbians, and in '99, you know, it was full out, you know, chaos and freaking. They were genociding people and stuff. So. I understood that there was still a possibility that just because we're calling a peacekeeping operation doesn't mean that it's going to, you know, stay that way. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I recognize that. Yeah. I recognize that it was still spicy in Kosovo. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, we it's spicy someplace else. Before, but we definitely could have been in some shit, you know, while we were there where they just, we were well-trained. We, we did the right things and nothing happened to us pretty much. 
Yeah, it was super easy. I go back to Kosovo on a deployment any day. Oh yeah. Easy I used money. to talk to guys and they're like, Oh yeah, I might go to Kosovo. I'm like, dude, that's an awesome freaking mission. If your unit is good and they take care of the people, it's an easy mission. You'll have fun. Easy money. Easy money. Go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> So a little bit before we went to Kosovo, you say, uh, and we kind of talk about it, that 52-day field rotation. Uh, yep. That shit was all the way shitty. Tell me uh, your your feelings on that experience. Uh, so I was a dismount. Um, you know, we went to Graf and kind of didn't do too much because it was more the, the mech guys kind of doing their thing. You know, we did some some ranges and stuff and supported them. But when we went to the box into Hohenspels and that shit was, that was the real deal. And I think that was the year they had like the most cold weather casualties and like some crazy history of, of the, first, of the one, two, six. And, uh, I know Skillin was working his ass off that, that, uh, that oh, rotation. Yeah. But yeah, man, it was just, it made us a tight knit group. Um, before we even went to Kosovo, um, going through, you know, training like that and the suck and, and you know, getting to know your buddies left and right. We didn't have, you know, really cell phones back then. And if you did have one, you didn't use much of it because, you know, you didn't have service or you got to pay for your minutes. So oh, yeah. that was kind of bullshit. <laughs> didn't have internet. So we just literally, we talked to each other. We played spades. We, you know, we we got to know each other. So that I think that's what started the whole tight-knit group of, of the Roughnecks right there. So. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, could you imagine if we had cell phones back then, like the way they are oh. now? We would have gotten in trouble just because they would have been like, damn, look at all the stupid shit y'all did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even that. It's like, I don't think we would be as close because, no, you know, Facebook, so, social media, tweet, uh, Twitter and all that kind of crap. Like, yeah. I don't think it yeah. would have been beneficial at all for us. So I'm kind of happy that we were in the era that we were in. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I think... um Having that before the cell phone era and then going into the cell phone era, mm-hmm. you see the night and day, you see how, you know, we had it different growing up as kids and then being adults, kind of having that, you know, I think the United States probably had cell phones more than we did over in Germany. Because when I got home, everybody was like, oh, you got to go get a cell phone. I was like, eh, I'll just get like a prepaid one. They're like, no, 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 you got to get a contract. And I was like, Okay. Yeah, but, like, uh, this is how we do this out here. What? Yeah, <laughs> right. We couldn't have contracts in Germany because we weren't there long enough, and, yeah. and they're always trying to rip people off and everything. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you you mentioned uh, in Germany. Tell me a little bit about your barracks life and your nightlife. What would you do on a on a night out on town? Uh, drink. Drink, drink, and, and more drinking. Yeah, um, I never really drank before I joined the military. Same. And I remember the first night I got to Germany, I thought, I can't remember who was in the room. But they they introduced me to, you know, some of the people that were in our platoon and stuff. And they said, hey, um, get your uniform, bring it over. We got to make sure you look, you know, proper for the next day. So they're taking my boots, they're spit shining them, they're they're freaking ironing my uniform. I was like, damn, okay. So they're like, okay, the only thing you need to do is you need to go to the class six and you need to get us a case of beer. And I'm like, hold on, what? I'm like, I'm not old enough to get beer. So I'm thinking they're messing with me. You know, mm-hmm. you hear all these these stories that 
you know, they're setting people up. So I'm like, all right, um, let me walk my happy ass over here. Walk over there, grab a, some beer, whatever. I go to the counter. I'm in civilian clothes, you know, go to the counter and the lady goes, let me see your ID. I'm like, shit, I'm caught, man. Like I'm about to get busted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I give her my civilian ID and she goes, no, 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 I need to see your military. And I was like, oh, okay. So I hand out my military and she goes, okay, you're good. And then I go, (laughs) you know, bring it back to the room or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was my first taste of uh, getting into Germany. And then from there forward, it was just like every night we drank. There wasn't a night that I can really remember that we didn't drink unless you're just like, hey, we got a PT test. Yeah. Let's not drink the night before the PT test. And even then, you know, sometimes you're just like, screw it. Let's go drink. Yeah, there's a good chance you're going to drink uh, even before a PT test and do that damn thing drunk. Sometimes you're just like, eh, whatever. Screw it. (laughs) I know I can pass it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Rock Fabrique, as you guys talked about, Tabasco's, Rock Corner. Um, I would try to venture out to like other towns and stuff. Um, I got with Sergeant Dixon and he kind of got me away from. Schweinfurt and got me to like Würzburg, got me to um, uh, K-Town, a couple mm. other places um, down in Munich and stuff. So I go to other clubs and try to get away from all the soldiers that were there. But at first it was the Megadrome, Rock Fabrique. I mean, you had a set days that you just went to certain ones. I think, was it Wednesday night or Tuesday night was Rock Fabrique two for one? I think it was Wednesday I think it was Wednesday, yeah. yeah. And then our whole platoon would, oh yeah, it was because the next day would be Sergeant's Sergeant's time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, properly planned out the right day for Sergeant's time. After that, right? <laughs> Unless it was a rough march the next morning, then yeah. it was kind of sucked. But mm-hmm. <laughs> so after all that, um, while we were in Kosovo, you got to go to Bulgaria. Oh yeah, um, me and you actually went to Kosovo together. And that me, was really you, cool. Yeah, me, you, Billy Jack. Uh, I want to say Lima. No. Yeah, I yeah, think it was Lima. Lima. Was. I think in the pictures. Yeah, Lima and uh, Simonian and Benefield, yep. I think. Yeah, we, I remember we went to that. Um, we said we had to go to a five star restaurant and smoke Cuban cigars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're dressed like a bunch of bums. Oh man, but, but <laughs> we did it though. But we did it though. Yeah, we did it, man. I had a a, a glass of uh, cognac, and he dipped it. He dipped my Cuban cigar, in there and I smoked it. And I was what? We were probably like nineteen, maybe. Churin. I, well, I might have been eighteen still. I don't even know. I think. Uh, yeah. I think we were eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, I had to have been eighteen. Yeah, man, that was crazy. That was a lot of fun, man. I remember you let it me was, borrow man. that. Bulgaria, uh, Bulgaria. That was. I still tell people about Bulgaria, mm-hmm. and they're like. Sounds like a good time. I was like, "Yeah, it's all Russian mafia." <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. You, whole you better thing. not remember. You, know. you remember K four, the actual hotel we stayed in? They had a strip club at the top floor. Yeah, it was just for K four. It was all Russian girls. Mm-hmm. And that they, was crazy, it was sketchy as shit up there, dude. I remember going oh, yeah, to, to check it out, and I'm like, "Man, this is." Uh... Yeah, I don't think any of us went to that one. I, I'm no, I know Benefil went there. He spent like four grand on things there. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's man. Cr- it was nuts like it was so funny like if you think about it like we were all there together you know and then everyone except me and you we we stuck together we did like uh go-kart racing and shit like that the restaurant yeah uh um bars and shit like that uh but Mm -hmm. you know nobody saw billy uh philip not phillips uh benefit for the entire time 
until yeah, we I actually came did. back. <laughs> and he's like, man, I had so much fun. I'm like, oh, man, cool. How much you spend? It's like four grand. I'm like, bro, everything is so fucking cheap here. It was, man. It was. I don't even remember what the what the what the currency was, but it was like three to one or something. Yeah. We, we went somewhere and I was like, that's it. I was like, oh, here, take this tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I, I remember thinking like, man, you you spent the house out here. Basically, you you bought a house out here. That's yeah. insane, but you know, have fun. But and then yeah. I remember uh, Simonian dying his hair and me getting in trouble for that shit. Remember oh, that? That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was that's funny. crazy. Man. There's so many things I've forgotten. I started listening to this podcast with all your guys' stories, and I'm like, oh wow, it's triggering all this stuff that I remember now. Mm-hmm. That's how it's been with this man. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun well, yeah. reminiscing yeah. with people. It's going to be a lot of fun when we can get over this whole certain things we have to ask and we could just get into, you know, newer topics and shit like that. But here we are. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm sure you guys had a blast in Florida, man. I missed that dude. If I wouldn't known there was that many people coming. So I was on orders in um, Fort bliss at the time and King reached out to me and he didn't, he didn't explain it well, I'll say, cause I probably would have jumped on it a little more. But they were kind of saying, oh, you guys are going to leave in July, so we don't really want you guys to go. But I could have probably sweet-talked them and, you know, got out there. But, yeah, man, you guys had a blast. It looked, it looked good. It looked fun. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun. The next one is going to be in Colorado. Yeah, so. closer to us. It's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really mind the distance, but it'll help people out. I, I can drive from here to Colorado easy. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's cool. So, uh, did you take leave before we went to Iraq? Uh, before Iraq, I think I did, but I think it was a local one. I think we went to, I think a bunch of us went to like Munich, a couple other places. Um, I ended up trying to save my days and stuff cause I got stop lost and, um, I wanted to save my days for once we got back, I could use them on the back end. Mm -hmm. I think I kept the local because I was like, I really haven't visited much in Germany. So we went up north, um, just kind of visited some castles and stuff and stayed local, you know, worked a couple of days throughout the week and they let us off. So, yeah. yeah. Around this time, you weren't in second anymore, right? You were gone. No, no. So yeah, that's a that's a crazy story in itself. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. So um, yeah, it was kind of a crazy thing. Um, you remember Kazi? Yeah, I remember Kazi. I haven't heard that name in a minute. Yeah, so Kazi, me, a few other people. I don't remember who else was there, but we got out of the middle of nowhere. Um, we were all kind of in headquarters. They sent a bunch of us over to Khan Barracks for some kind of... I don't know if someone was getting promoted or retirement or, or whatever it was. They sent us over there and they're like, hey, we need some one, two, six guys to represent. Go over there. Like, all right, cool. You know, whatever. Someone drove us over there. We uh, we go in. There's an open bar. I love Kazi. Kazi's a little crazy, though. He started drinking. I don't drink beer. Um, really, at that time, I really didn't drink beer, beer at all. So I didn't really partake or anything. Um you know, some of them got drunk or whatever. We came back. We had to go back to work. So we're in uniform, whatever. They hammered Kazi. They took him to the MP station, um, made him blow. 
he uh drunk on duty you know took his rank took his pay took everything yeah i remember that so shit. i was pretty pissed about that a lot of other guys were pissed tried to fight the case or whatever but nothing came of it and then there was an eo class i can't remember the e7 that was in charge of it um it's a, it's a black guy from either first or third platoon i don't know if maybe you remember his name mm. can't think of his name the tall dude anyway yeah he was real tall big ass lips i mean not to be weird with black folks and big lips but <laughs> i remember that shit and he had like a mustache and shit he was cool as fuck i remember that he was a really cool he dude. was he was cool and that's why it threw me off with this whole thing so we had an eo class it was e4 and below were in there and um you know there hey if you guys have any issues or anything this is your place this is a safe place they'd always say you know you can tell you know whatever you need to tell and you know we'll try to resolve it here I'm like, all right, cool. I stand up because nobody says anything. I'm like, hey, I think it's messed up that um, my NCO at the time from headquarters was Sergeant Works. Uh, or Sergeant Worth. Sorry, Sergeant Worth. Um, okay. He, um, if you remember, he's a ranger in my golf. Yeah. At that time in the military, there's only like 60 of them in the military. So he's like a, a unicorn pretty much. Mm-hmm. Covered a piece of equipment right there. Yeah, yeah. So... He had come in one day and he was drunk on duty or whatever on a Thursday or whatever. And they told him to just go sit in, you know, in his office and kind of sleep it off or whatever. And I just brought up the point that I thought it was messed up that he could go to his office, sleep it off. And then you have the soldier that they took. They told him to go to this, you know, party. They didn't necessarily say you could or could not drink. But then they bring him back and then they bust him, take his pay, you know, all this stuff. So I just thought it was messed up, and I brought it up in the in the you know the classroom environment and all this stuff, and it was uh, brought up to Sergeant Worth and then up to the first sergeant. Mm. So nothing said to me about this situation. I kind of hear different things like, "Oh, I saw that NCO go up to Sergeant Worth and kind of tell him," and da da da. So like a couple days pass, and then um, first sergeant, first sergeant Salinas comes up to me and he goes, "Hey." There's a job opportunity up in S3 with um, Sergeant Major Pruitt. It's a PSD, so, you know, personal security detachment for the colonel, the ops sergeant major, the command sergeant major, all of them. He's like, hey, I just want you and um, Smitty, there's another guy, Specialist Smitty, to go over there and, um, you know, just sit down and see what they say. So he comes at me and tells me it's like a job interview, Right. So I walk my happy ass over there, me and Smith, and we're both like, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to stay in Bravo Company. You know, like we've been there forever. You know, <laughs> I'm not trying to leave. So I sit down with Sergeant Major Pruitt, good guy, you know, whatever he's telling me. I tell him my little story or whatever, and he goes, hey, um, you're making it sound like this is like a job interview or something. And I was like, um, that's, what, that's what First Iron kind of told me. I was like, is it not? And he goes, no, first time I said you got fired. <laughs> I was wow. Like, what? I was like, well, fired for what? <laughs> he goes, he didn't really specify, but um, he said you got fired and you're not staying in Bravo Company anymore. Basically, you're coming to S3. This is just, I was just kind of seeing where exactly I was going to put you in S3. And I was like, oh, I'm like, okay, well, this kind of just messed up my head. Yeah, I so thought I this was a fucking that. safe place. <laughs> yeah right right and I'm like this kind of messed up my head and uh, so Sergeant Major kind of sees that like I'm kind of 
overwhelmed and he's like well uh, well you can take it up to the next EO like the brigade EO and um, see where this gets resolved he goes usually what happens though they take you out of the battalion so I would have gone to 118 over on Khan and um, they just would have gotten rid of me you know basically mm-hmm. to resolve the issue and I was like that's not what I want we're about to deploy I'm not trying to leave and be away from all my guys and stuff. You know, I grew up with all y'all. You know, we all came up together. And uh, he goes, well, you're going to be at HHC. It's not that far away, you know. And I knew Skillin was in HHC, but he was a medic, to, you know, attached to Bravo Company. So I was like, you know what? I'll make the best of it. I'll go to S3, do that. So that's what I did. I went over there, me and Smitty. Um, the funny thing is I came out of that interview and ran into first sergeant, and he goes, "Oh, how did it go, man?" <laughs> I, <was> just, <laughs> I literally was just like, "Damn, you're gonna literally sit here to my face and lie." To me. Wow! So I kind of held that against him in, in some uh, worth, but you know, it is what it is. It worked out. Um, it, it sucked being on the other end of um, all the stuff you guys went through and being in the talk. And writing down all the stuff that you guys are going through or being on PSD with the colonel and sergeant major and being on like that other side and watching you guys go through the shit you're going through and, you know, not being able to be there for my brothers and stuff. So that was kind of a a weird situation. And I I had to deal with that for years Um, afterwards. I was like, damn, you know, I felt like guilty for not being there with y'all. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't wasn't my choice you know i stood up for somebody i did the right thing and you know it put me in a different spot mm-hmm. learned different skills met different people and you know it is what it is so how was your deployment on that side man um it was good man it was good but i didn't see as much as you guys did you guys definitely had some shit go down and um I did a lot of my time in the talk listening to battles as they were happening, having captains, you know, scream at each other over the radio, the colonel getting on, Major Casper, you know, all these different scenarios, seeing it from like the big picture. Mm. Um, we would sit in the command um, talk and watch it on like the uh, the shadow and um, the big UAVs and stuff. They would send their feed to our talk. And we could watch, like, as bombs were dropping, rounds were, you know, getting kicked off. Um, then I would go out on missions with, like, the Sergeant Major and them. And, you know, they're protected 100%. You know, they got the most protection. They always go to, like, the big um, sit-downs with the sheiks and, you know, whatever, governors and all that stuff. So it was it was definitely a different mission. Um I got to go train on the Raven. I went down to Kuwait for two weeks, and then I was out there with you guys at Yuvani for a month. I remember you, know, you there. Back. Yeah, I remember yeah, you there launching that the launching. Around, yeah, that thing is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that shit. That I go up there and watch you launching. I'm like, man, that's fucking. That's fucking. You know what the shitty. funny thing is? So I think it was me and Smitty went to that class. So he went down for the first month to Yuvani. He flew it around. So I get there a month later, have not touched the Raven in a month. Combat camera was there on the roof when I get to, you know, be down there with you guys. 
So it's my first time launching it again. I forgot a lot of the stuff. I'm trying to remember whatever. I take it. They take a picture of me. It ended up on like AKO, the AKO page and stuff and all this stuff. But I throw it off the roof. <laughs> well, I did not follow the directions is how it was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And that shit crashed just outside the wire. We had to send a team to go out there and get it from some poor people's freaking, you know, backyard and stuff. Fucking P. Diddy out here launching drones into people's backyards. <laughs> Kamikaze that style. Thing that thing crashed, man. I felt so bad. I was like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And then another time, because the Raven is, you know, it's supposed to fall into pieces and stuff. But it's still, you know, like cheap plastic and stuff. It stops, like the engine just dies in midair and it just drops out of the sky, right? It lands on top of one of the tanks and just, like the, one of the cameras breaks. And stuff. Mm. So I'm sending parts back to Kuwait and stuff, having to get them fixed. And yeah, man, it was it was an experience. It, it definitely was an experience. <laughs> what was, um? tell me a little bit of, no, I always say that. Tell me or give me something that impacted you during that deployment. Oh, man, there's a few things uh, that stand out. I was on shift when, do you remember Composilius? He was one of the mechanics. He was a generator mechanic. I remember him, but I, I like the name rings a bell. I know what you're about to talk about. Um, but So there was three Composes on, like in our battalion that was on the FOB or whatever, on Brassville Mora. And... All we got was over the radio was um, there's a compost. Didn't say composilius. Didn't say compost. Didn't say you know whatever. Because there's three different ones. They had three different last names and all that stuff. There's a compost, and he's ca- uh, not killed in action. He was killed, but um, they didn't give any details at first. And we're like, what the hell happened? Like it was on base. We're like, what the hell happened? So everybody's scrambling trying to figure it out. And I think Skillin was one of the ones that was there when they went to pick up his body. So basically, he was, you know, the old grain factories. Um, they would clear him out. He was trying to set up, basically, the electric was, like, wasn't working correctly, and he was trying to get it so that the mechanics could use all their power tools and all that stuff. Well, the power grid is different, obviously, over in Iraq than it is what we're used to in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got code and all this stuff. They just throw shit together. You never know what you're going to get into. He got electrocuted, and he was all by himself. And he, he from what I was told, he got like 100,000 volts through his body, like holes through his body. Like, I had had breakfast with him that morning, usually have lunch with them in the afternoon. And, like, in between that time period, he died. And I was like, holy shit, like, I just had breakfast with this man. Mm. And now he's gone. You know, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, that one, that one was a big one. Yeah, I remember. I remember that happening. But like I said, I wasn't familiar with him. But I remember him yeah. like being alone when that happened. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man. That's... Yeah. Um, Clifton and me and Campos were real close friends. Um, Clifton was our, you know, a guy from uh, from the the cooking staff and everything, the, the cooks and everything. So. Yeah. We all hung out, you know, we were on base and stuff. And when every time, you know, if, as, as much as we were on base, we try to have at least bre- breakfast together or something, you know, make you get up and get out of your bunk and freaking, you know, have a regular day if, you know, 
Yeah. You could. <laughs> yeah. As regular yeah, as it can be there. That was a big one, man. And, and, and the worst part about it is it was kind of like the whole Kreider thing where it wasn't, he wasn't killed in action. You know, it wasn't a battle situation. It was just a, a fucked up situation that like someone had to die over something as, as stupid as, you know, some faulty wiring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's nobody to go get for that. Yeah. It's just exactly. like this shit yeah. happened. And that's yep. it. So another one that um, definitely, it, it's funny now, <laughs> not so funny when it happened, but um, so, you know, we used to have incoming all the time and everything and um, mortar rounds would just randomly hit. And, you know, you, most of the time you just stayed in your rack, you kind of roll over and be like, okay, is that incoming? Is that outgoing? Is it close? You kind of decide, do I want to get out of bed or not? So this is in the middle of the night. It's dark have a mortar round hit right outside of our chew and a piece of shrapnel. I actually have a picture of where my bed was. So we had three guys in our chew. So we decided to make a bunk bed. So I was on the top bunk. My other roommate was below me and he kind of had his bed like turned, not underneath the rack, but like out, like half of it was under it. Half of it wasn't. And he wasn't in his bed at the time. Thank God. But a piece of shrapnel went right below my bunk, right through the wall, and and hit um, my roommate's sock drawer. Well, it's nighttime where, you know, you're half asleep, whatever. He had like a Pepsi or something on his nightstand, the little plastic nightstand, and it spilled on the, the carpet that we had. Well, when you look down on the floor, it looks like there's blood on the floor. So... I think Smith was my other roommate. He runs over and flips on the light and we start immediately laughing. Mm-hmm. We're like, Oh shit. Okay. It's just, you know, a Pepsi. But then I kind of like start thinking about it and I'm like, dude, that thing went a foot underneath my bed. Almost killed me. <laughs> like, Holy shit. So we are dumbasses. We bring it up to the st- um, command and they're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Now you guys can fill sandbags on your time off and put it all the way up to the, you know, the roof on the side of your, your chew. And I was like, well, that was dumb. So it kind of gave us more work than it needed to be. But yeah, man, that was a uh, thinking back. I was like, damn dude, I almost died. <laughs> and we thought it was funny. You know, you, you take your chances going to the bathroom or taking a shower or something, you know, in, incoming um, rounds, and everything. But, uh, I was, yeah, that was- I, I totally thought 100% that I was going to die on the fucking shitter, you know? Oh yeah, multiple times. I was in the shower one day and I some mortar rounds came on and I was like, "Oh man!" I yeah. was like, "Please don't let me die in the shower." Exactly. Fucking balls are all out, just fucking splattered everywhere. Fucking come on, man! Just give me that, God. At least let me die with some dignity. Do you remember when the mortar, um, uh, not the mortar, the scout team, they had their Humvees out in, um in Brassville Mora and one of them burned to the ground. Oh no, when was this? You didn't hear about that? Mm-hmm. I got pictures and everything, bro. But so I guess they had a faulty wire because they were constantly out doing um presence patrols, MSR, um, you know, uh scouting for IDs and all kinds of stuff, like constantly in and out. So th- I guess they left their AT4s and rounds and all that stuff in the vehicles 
so that they could just get up and just like, hey, we're going to be a QRF. We're going to jump in the vehicles and roll out. Yeah. So they had a radio, I guess they left on. I think that's what the they finally figured out what what actually happened. Um, they had a radio that got left on and it caught fire in the vehicle. So the vehicle literally burned to the ground. So obviously those rounds cooked off in the vehicle. The AT4 shot off, hit a scout vehicle next to it. Like there's a huge hole in the side of the door over there. <laughs> this is all in the middle of the night. So we think we're getting attacked. Like everybody comes out of their shoes. They're fucking wearing our boxers or, or PT shorts. You got your weapon and your fucking vest on. You're running around in flip-flops and you're like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? We all go over there and it's fucking, they're like, get away, get away. The fucking rounds are cooking off. And, you know, I think they had grenades in there, all kinds of shit. So it was, it was nuts. But yeah, man, that was, that was the closest that we came that we were like, oh shit. Like there's some serious shit going on. They're attacking the base. <laughs> and then yeah. it turned out that our scouts just fucking didn't turn off the radio. Faulty <laughs> wiring almost took y'all out. God yeah, damn. man. I'll send you the pictures, dude. It burned all <laughs> the way to the ground. I'm telling you all the way to the ground. It and was crazy. Was that at Brassfield or Yuvani? That was at Brassfield, man. Oh, that was at Brassfield. God. I'm surprised you didn't hear about that. That's crazy. I think you I might have. I think shit. I might you guys be. had enough shit going on over there in fucking Yuvani and everywhere else. But Yeah. I remember seeing something like that. I don't remember where it was. You something probably saw the pictures. Out. Yeah. You probably saw the pictures. Because I know um, Skillin had the pictures. Yeah, he's always putting pictures up. So... Oh yeah, um, you are coming down to the end of your time in Iraq, and you're basically your your uh, contract, right? Yeah, I'm stop loss, so my time is technically over. Mm. But I was told to stay. <laughs> so you stick around, and uh, what's next after uh, what 2005? So we get back. I have all these leave days saved up and everything. They give us, I think, you know, block leave as soon as we get back or whatever. So me and Tidwell, Oren, he was my old roommate um, in HAC. Um, we both go to Florida and we buy trucks and we're like, hey, we're going to be civilians. We're going to go to school. We're going to do all this stuff. And uh, yeah, man, that's that was the plan. So we get back. From block leave orange dumbass fucking he so wednesday nights was always two for one at the rock fabrique thursday was um sergeant's time mm-hmm. so instead of coming in because they were starting to crack down on like drunk on duty you know coming in drunk all that stuff instead of coming in this dude decides to just skip work every <laughs> thursday he would skip work i think it happened like six or seven times in a row they were pretty lenient over at HHC, so they didn't really care or whatever. Yeah. But um, so they didn't say nothing to him. Then finally, somebody was like, "Hey, you need to freaking like we're about to kick you out. He, we're about to get out of the military. Mm. We only have a few more months, and this man <laughs> can't even show up on time or anything." So he almost gets kicked out of the military, and because he was the iron spader and all this stuff, second fastest dude in the brigade, and. All this stuff. Some captain was like, "Hey, I'll take him. Um, you know, make sure he stays out of trouble before he leaves or whatever." So, me and him are supposed to move in together when we get down to Florida. Well, he has more leave days than me, so he leaves before me. Mm-hmm. 
So I go down to Florida. He's shacked up with some girl. I go to my uncle's house. I'm staying with him or whatever. And he's like, yeah, you can come stay with me. I go over to his house. It's an efficiency. It's literally one room with a bed and a couch. And then obviously the bathroom and the kitchen. He's like, yeah, you can stay right there on the couch. And I was like, no, dude, I'm not staying with you. I love you, bro, but I'm not staying with you, dude. (laughs) So, yeah, I kind of did my own thing, man. I, uh, I started off doing security, um, Oren finally hit me up and he was like, hey, man, what do you think about going um, contracting over in Iraq? I was like, hell yeah, man, if we can get on, let's do it. So uh, I apply, he applies. I don't get no calls back. They, at that time, they didn't need 11 Bravos. We were a dime a dozen, you know. There was too many of us, unless you were special operations or ranger or something, they did not, they don't even answer your um you know, your resume or anything. They don't, they don't even bother writing you back. So Oren got a call back because he was supply. So as he's talking to the recruiter or whatever, he tells the guy, Hey, my buddy applied, but he didn't get a call back. And so he kind of looks over my resume and he goes, yeah, he's, he's an infantry dude. We don't really need that. And so he was like, Oh, no, no, no. He was a supply guy as well as the secondary MOS. <laughs> he goes, why didn't he put that down on his resume? <laughs> So yeah, I fucking up, know. Uh, yeah, right. I end up jumping on this uh, gig to uh, back to Iraq. So we got, let's see, we got back from Iraq February 2005, right? Mm-hmm. Right around that time. I was out of the military May 31st, 2005. I was back in Iraq December 2005. Man. And now I'm a civilian contractor. Making you know sixty two hundred dollars a month. Freaking, I got what I would call a beard for that age. Um, earrings, you know. I'm a civilian dude working with the Air Force. I did um, basically the movement control team on the flight line up in um, Mosul, so all the way up north in Iraq. So I jumped on that gig for about six months. I was supposed to do it for a year, and I ended up getting fired over some stupid shit. <laughs> What'd you get fired for? If you so, don't want, want to go into it, you don't have to. No, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, young, dumb. I was probably 22 at this at this time period. Um, I'm working with the Air Force. And, you know, they think they're badasses or whatever. And I'm like, bro, I was just here in Iraq. <laughs> full spectrum operations. <laughs> less than, you know, seven months ago. Eight months ago, maybe. And this dude's trying to tell me my job or whatever. And um, so we get into it or whatever. And then there's this cute blonde. I'm trying to impress her or whatever. So my whole job at, at this you know movement control team was we sat at this little desk. And people would come in. We had all the flights on this board behind us. And you would walk in. You'd be like, hey, I need to get to Balad or I need to get to Biop or you know, I'm going on leave and I need to go to Kuwait, whatever. So you look on the board. Hey, that's the, the one I want to get on. I write you in on the manifest every hour. Um, I come in, let you guys know what the, the plan is for the plane. If it's still on time, if we need to roll you over to the next flight or whatever the case may be. Simple job. Very simple. I don't touch the baggage. I've got a, group, a team of guys that literally palletize all the bags. 
I've got um, forklift drivers who take the fork, um, you know, the palletized bags on the um, skids and stuff, and they put them on the C-130, C-17, whatever you're flying on. I don't do anything. Like, literally, I've got the easiest job. So the guy that was in charge of me, the supervisor, um, picked up another gig with this, doing the same thing for more money but a smaller company and he moved right next door and I was like oh shit so like hey you're gonna be the nighttime supervisor and I was like bet let's do it you know go to nighttime I'm so I'm learning all the aircraft for like there's this new system that basically you put on how much the pallet weighs how many soldiers are put on there based on you know weight and all that stuff and just make sure that the plane is level so it's not you know um nose heavy or or tail heavy or anything like that simple job yeah so it doesn't fucking do, crash yeah dude it, it's literally stupid money i'm about to go up to 120k a year Ooh. with this supervisor position mm. and i screw it up by so we sent one of our pilots it ended up in the wrong destination i don't know that this system can be seen by everybody everybody in germany everybody within the theater um, I think even back in the United States, they can look into it. So every pallet and every Connex and everything has an RFI tag. Um, this one ended up in, you know, Baghdad or whatever. That is. So there's a remarks of why it, you know, went that destination. If, if you want to put something there and I'm just talking out loud, I'm like, Oh, KBR fucked up. And so one of the air force guys goes, Hey, you won't put that. And I'm like, Pfft bet oh man <laughs> stupid i write this comment on the bottom of this remarks not even 24 hours later i'm in the office at my supervisor the head supervisor and he's like hey i gotta send you home and i'm like what what do you mean what do i gotta go home for he goes dude some general saw this you're fucking going home you're on the first first thing smoking out of here back to the united states man and i'm like oh man so Here's the thing, though. He knew I was a good good worker and everything. He was like, hey, go home for a month, reapply. You're not the first one to get fired. People get fired all the time. And they do way stupider stuff. Reapply. Um, put my name down as a you know, a contact, and I'll rehire you. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, Maybe this isn't going to be as bad as I think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So, little I vacation. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll go home for... Um, you know, a month and, you know, reapply and I should be back. And, uh, so I get home and then Oren comes home and I'm like, what the hell? I probably would have been sent home anyway, but so Oren gets home and I'm like, why are you home? And he goes, bro, KBR. So the, the, the smallest amount of money you can make at, on a contract with KBR is 79,000. That's the minimum contract you can get. They were taking local nationals, the Filipinos and all those guys. They were giving them contracts for like thirty five thousand, you know, thirty thousand, whatever it was. Yeah. So the military got wind of this. They KBR has the overall contract over there. They take the contract from them, make them rebid on it, millions of dollars more they have to spend. So they lay off twelve hundred people. Mm. All those people have to have the chance to get their job back before me being fired. I can get my job back. Damn. I'm like, oh, shit. What am I going to do with, you know, no, I don't have a job. I didn't have this. This wasn't planned. 
Um, I just actually just gone to Germany. Like I want to say I was there six months. I think at my four month time period, I was able to go on leave for 10 days and they pay for it. And I went to Germany and saw Skilling and all those guys. And I blew a ton of money. And, you know, I was going to make it back. So don't worry about it. You know, blow your money, have fun, whatever. And uh, yeah, so I didn't have a plan in place. I ended up going and talking to the National Guard and rejoining the Army. <laughs> if you had just stuck to the plan, man. If you just stuck to the plan, I could have been a contractor for like 10 years. Mm, tax-free money. Yeah, man, it was my own fault, man. I shot myself in the foot over a girl and obviously did not impress her and uh, got sent home. <laughs> That's how it is, though. You just got to, you know, move on. So. It is. It is. It is. So I joined the, the National Guard. I go and sit down with the National Guard. He goes, hey, you're not an E5, right? And I'm like, no. He goes, good, because I don't have any E5 slots, plenty of E4 slots. I'm like, all right, cool. He goes, I'll give you three years, 10 grand, non-deployable uh, non for three years. I was like, okay, sign me up. Show up to my unit. This is 2006. Um or actually, it's 2007. I signed December 2006, so almost a year later. And then um, from when I was just in Iraq, uh, my first drill is in January. So 2007, I start. I show up in BDUs, jungle boots, pressed, looking spiffy, bro. I'm looking good. Sharp. Walk into, the, walk into this little rinky-dink armory. And uh, everybody's looking at me. I'm, I'm in the wrong uniform. Obviously, they've already come to the new uniform now. Mm. Everybody's looking at me. They're like, what the hell are you wearing? But I got my combat patch on, you know, all this stuff. CIB on the chest and everything. And everybody's like, oh, damn. You know, active duty dude. Yeah. Three years that I spent in the guard, that first three years, I did not get promoted because it was the good old boy system. Mm. I got passed over left and right. I had more deployments, more, you know, leadership positions, all that stuff, and never got my E5. So I was like, you know what? I'm done, dude. I don't want to do this no more. And I was a week from getting out. My buddy was like, hey, just stay in for one more year. Go on this deployment with us to Iraq. We were going to do convoy security in 2010. And he's like, just earn some money, come back, and then we'll go to college together. I was like, all right, I'll sign up for a year. So I, I passed up my E5. They finally wanted to give me my E5, I think, like two months before I was supposed to get out. And I was like, nope, I don't want it. Keep it. Shove it up your ass. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so my dumb ass freaking, you know, passes that up. I end up going to Fort Hood um, and make me a corporal. And uh, we go over to Iraq. We had to do all our train up in Fort Hood. And then we go over to Iraq. And uh, we were stationed in Kuwait. But we did convoy security all through Iraq. So we were we spent more time in Iraq than we did in Kuwait. And we just drove, man. We were convoy security for Air Force and um, Army um, vehicles um, going in and out of Iraq, man. It was an easy mission. Finally got my five. <laughs> and... Uh, Ended up staying in the military. <laughs> Man, we sound so similar. Like uh, me and Kevin, we had this plan. We were like, hey, we're going to get out and we're going to, you're going to move to LA with me. I don't give a shit if you got to stay on my couch 
you know, right? we'll figure this shit out and we're both going to apply for the police. And then we'll just go on from there. Like we'll make a ton of money. It'll be great. You know, right. Shit can branch <laughs> out in the, yeah. in the new city. Hell yeah. Should be it. easy, right? Easy money. Yeah, right. You come here. It's easy. I can introduce you to people. It'll yep. just fucking be awesome. And then I don't know what happened. Like fucking I, I went right. He went left. I joined the police and all that stuff. I even went back into the reserves or went into the reserves, I think around 2006, seven, somewhere in there. And I had the same thing. Like they were hollering at me to get my five, like pissed off because I wasn't, it's the same thing. Showed up with combat patches and all this kind of shit. And they're like, Ooh, shit. Like, God damn, like this motherfucker can walk on water. Damn near. And it was fun. Like I had a lot of fun in the reserves, but uh, oh yeah, it's it's just like man, fucking. I miss. It's not quite active duty. It's not that kind of feeling from it, but it's it's still kind of cool. But it's like yeah. So I got out what, and got what back kind of in. Unit were you in? Oh man, we were. Let me try to figure this shit out. So we were primarily forty two alphas, which is. Uh, okay. You know, uh, a, like, uh, how would you describe a 42 alpha? Like supply guys, right? Wasn't that 42 alpha? No, no, no. That's like computer desk work. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, 42 alpha. Like admin. Admin. There yeah, you go. Yeah, the admin guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. So, okay. and I mean, yeah, they were. Reserves doesn't have a lot of combat arms. No. So, <clears throat> we are um, doing that stuff. I'm not doing that stuff. They make us double uh, O golf, which was a sergeant trainer, because everyone okay. else with the rank and if you wanted to, you know, you can go to drill sergeant school because that was our thing. Like it was all drill sergeants. Yeah, uh, I'm like I don't really care for that. I'm not going <laughs> to stay in that long. I don't want to go back to basic training because that's what I felt about that. Bro, could you ever think back in the day that Kevin would be a drill sergeant? You know, kinda. I never saw it, dude. When he became a drill sergeant, I saw the first picture. I was like, I remember Kevin. I, I, I just can't see it. Yeah. I no. mean, once you get to know him and you're like, okay, he, he's smart enough. He, he can obviously learn all the stuff and everything. And he's a great teacher and everything. Mm-hmm. And he can't kind of learn that attitude over time. But it was like, when it first happened, I was like, what? Was it Kevin? I was like, What? I was like, that's crazy. It just blew my mind when I first heard that. Like, when I saw it, too, I'm like, that's fucking crazy, but that's cool, too, because I know how how he feels about training and shit like that. So I'm like, this is going to be perfect for him. But I didn't expect it. Like, I did not expect that at all. And I am the one that actually talked him into going back into the reserves because we were both not doing anything. So I'm like, I'm going back into the reserves. I'll tell you how it goes. I think about a year later, maybe more or less, he joined, too. And uh and this I'm is like, all just stick LA. to the plan. When he moved back to, yeah, to this is by then we had. um I was back in L.A. and he was in Arkansas, so oh, okay. I, I was still hollering at him to move down here with me, but right. he was still dragging his feet. And that's that fucker drags his feet so much, man. Like just fucking make a decision, but don't drag your feet. Anyway, um. That didn't work out. You know, he ended up getting married. Uh, I ended up getting married. Um, things didn't work out with his marriage. It, it was like just a bunch of weird shit 
Like everything that he was trying to do, in my opinion, wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, dude, if you just stuck to the plan, <laughs> we would be good right now. Right. But, you know, my plan changed too. Roommates. Yeah, my plan changed too. Like now I'm, I'm glad it didn't happen because I, I got married. Um, I have a son. You know, things worked out in a good way for me for years and then got weird because, you know, things get weird. Yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't trade my time to reserve for anything. It was a lot of fun. Dude, and, and that's and that's why I asked you what your MOS was and stuff, because I, um, I, I was at that same crossroads when I came in. Um, I talked to the Coast Guard. They're like, oh, you're going to have to, you know, take your ASVAB and all that stuff. And I was like, eh, I don't really want to do that. No. I already had the uniform, you know, for the Army. Went and spoke to a recruiter, and he was like, hey, you can go reserves, but there's no combat arms. Yeah. Um, so I was like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll join the guard. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but one of the biggest infantry brigades is in Florida. They have all light infantry guys down in Florida. So it was a whole different world for me. I mean, I was a dismount, you know, when we were in Germany, but then I went into the talk and went and, you know, kind of drove one, one threes and five, seven, sevens and all that crap. Mm -hmm. So then I joined uh, this light infantry unit and all we do is walk um, the time that we are out in the field two, three weeks at a time, they're just humping everything on your back. Mm. So it was definitely a, uh, a wake up call, but you know, being with the infantry, it was just, I had a blast, man. I really had a blast. Um, but it sucked at the same time. Um, it eventually made me leave because of the situation, mm. but it was more to do with like, upper higher chain of command and what the state wanted us to do and you know all kinds of stupid stuff like that but yeah. uh the people on the ground bro I, I mean like still good friends to this day um you know it, they're they're what make you want to stay in the military it's your chain of command and all them that make you want to quit <laughs> yeah i mean we did our three-week thing um it was great it was fucking awesome we went to fort, fort jackson and we okay. would get the new recruits off the bus and pass them off to the drill sergeants. That's all we did for three weeks. It was full of so much fun, man. We didn't do all that other bullshit. It was fucking damn near a party the entire time. Uh, oh, man. And That's I look forward to it once a year, man, because I'm like, I, it, I was a police officer. I'm like, man, it's fucking stressful. I can use the break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dude, sometimes I go on drill drill status just to get away from my job. Yeah. It's, I'm like, you know what? I need some time. Hey, do you guys have any orders I can get on? Okay, cool. Let me get on this. Yeah, dude. I was jumping on shit all the time. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I got to do something. I got to do something. Um, and like you said, you're friends with all those folks when you bounced. I'm still friends with some of them. Um, but, you know, things things change. They stayed in. I got out. Kevin stayed yeah. in, and I think he is knocking on that. Re- he's past the points for retirement, so he can pull that pin whenever he wants. Me too. I'm at that. I'm, so I'm still in. I'm an officer now. Um, I switched over to the dark side. Whoa! When uh, one of those three week, um, we were out in the field in northern Florida. There was a tropical storm that came through, and that three weeks we were 
doing a defensive operation. So we dug, you know, our fighting positions. We had secondary fighting positions behind us and we got pissed on for three weeks straight, except for probably two days on the front end, two days on the back end, and maybe one day in the middle. We were just soaking wet, man, like rucking everywhere. We, we did air assault missions and stuff, which was cool. You know, we jump on helos all the time. Um, it was fun, but it sucked at the same time because our chain of command was like, nope, you guys got to stay out there, even though there was a, you know, possible hurricane coming through. Luckily, it was only a tropical storm, but people could have got injured. People could have got hurt and everything. By this time, I'm in E6, so... Um, my soldiers were there, you know, they loved me. They were like listening to me and I was like, listen, I'm done. This is my last AT. I'm getting out. I'm going to go officer and I'm done with this. And they're like, no, sorry, you're not going to do it and blah, blah. And I told them it was going to happen. So I joined the ROTC because I didn't have any credits at the time. I had maybe 15 or something. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do the OCS route and, uh, I went officer, man. So I did one more AT with them because they dragged me to, uh, I went to Fort Polk, Louisiana the Ugh. next year for, we did force on force, but we were the op four, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that's fun. Um, it was an easy mission. So my last one was actually pretty easy and I was an E6. So they were like, you gotta go. You can't skip out on this, even though I was in ROTC and everything. And, um, yeah, they were like, oh, I can't believe you actually left. So it's funny because my last probably four years as an NCO, I told people about, you know, going officer because some of my soldiers, like I'd see them, I'd be like, listen, you're a good soldier, but you would make a better officer. So I've had like nine or 10 of my soldiers all go officer either because of me or, you know, right behind me, you know, moving up in the ranks and stuff. So it's been, it's been fun, man. And the reason I went officer in the first place was actually because my aunt, her dad was a lieutenant colonel retired in the reserves. And funny thing is, he's like, we go out to lunch whenever one day. And he's like, I heard you're in the National Guard. I was like, yeah, I, I was an E5 at the time. I was like, yeah, I'm in the I'm in first of the 124th Infantry. You know, it's in Hollywood, Florida. And he's like, oh, really? He goes, is it that that little hangar right there on the corner of da-da-da-da? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I used to be the company commander there in 1979. And I was like, what? I was like, that's crazy, like small world, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, have you ever thought about going officer? I was like, of course not. You know, like, I love training my soldiers. I love being with my guys. I want to um, work for a living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the typical answer. But yeah. I, I like training my guys, you know? Once you get up, even as an E7 and above, you know, you don't get the time with your soldiers as you do, you know, moving up. But we all got eventually, like, if you're going to stay in, you want to make money as well. So he goes, okay, I'm not going to push you, you know, to try to go officer or anything like that. But just look at the retirement. Even if you just make captain, just look at what you would make retirement wise. And I started looking at it and I was like, Holy cow, that's a huge difference. You're not guaranteed to make Sergeant Major in the National Guard. Yeah. And they make, you know, good money and everything, but a captain, a major, they make more than a Sergeant Major. 
It's crazy. Yeah. It's like night and day. And I was like, you know what? After that, that one AT where we just got pissed on, chain command didn't care. You know, just a lot of people got injured that, that um, AT. I was done, man. So I put in my packet and went officer and everybody was like, okay, well, if you're going to go officer, at least come back as an infantry officer. My whole battalion, I'd been there for nine years at that time. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, come back as an infantry officer. You know, you came up as um, E4, Corporal, E5, E6, you know, come back as an infantry officer. And I was like, hell no. My body will not take the beating that's about to go through. I know you're going to send me to ranger school. I was like, nope. I'm oh, good. Fuck. So I went, I went quartermaster <laughs> and it's a different side of the army. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a change of pace, but it's fun, man. I, I enjoy it. Still a lot of good soldiers. Um, the camaraderie isn't quite as close as it was like with the infantry dudes, but I still enjoy it. Still train. People see me differently because I was an NCO first and, you know, that enlisted side. So yeah. I do a lot of things that other officers don't do. So yeah. it definitely worked out in my favor. Yeah, you definitely respected the uh, the officers who were NCOs before. They always uh, oh, yeah. made the most sense with things, even when everything didn't make any sense at all. So I, I love that point. And it's a very good, valid point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it where... It hasn't worked out as well though sometimes yeah i've seen um, that a good too friend of mine i don't know if he'll ever listen to this but uh, a good friend of mine he was a company commander and he didn't have a very good first sergeant so he kind of overstepped his boundaries as mm. the company commander <laughs> yeah you know kind of playing the first sergeant role as well and a lot of people in that company didn't like him because of that situation so i can see where sometimes it you have to know your your boundaries, your left and li- left and right limits. Um, I tell my NCOs all the time. They'll, they'll be like, "Hey, sir, why didn't you say something about this?" Or da da da. I'm like, "Listen, that's NCO business. Like, I will come and tell you about it, but I won't. I won't give you the command to go do it because you should know better, or you need to um, discipline those soldiers. That's not my job." as an officer anymore you know sometimes yeah. i want to put that hat back on i'm like oh my god my my nco side you know jumped out but i have to you know put a leash on it and be like nope it's not my side can't do that no more you know so i step back and that's fucking perfect that's how yeah. it should be exactly. officers always uh you know sometimes they jump the gun and they they do shit they shouldn't be involved with let those ncos oh, yeah. do that job that's why they got promoted to that point Exactly, exactly. That's not my job no more, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so now you're, uh, what's the rank now in the... uh... So I'm a first lieutenant waiting on my captain. Whew. Yep. Man, salute, getting salutes. One year. I just got my 20-year letter the other day. Nice. Yep. So I can retire at any time. I'm planning on doing 30, though. I'm switching over to the reserves and uh, trying to make that major and we'll see what happens from there oh man you got it knock it out yeah i mean that at this point like it's all downhill from here i feel like if i can i've already done 21 years as long as my body allows me to yeah <laughs> it's it's definitely i was talking i was listening to kevin the other day when he said he's coming back from uh uh you know this last rotation of drill status and um you know, his body just wasn't the same. He was like, I could tell the difference. I was in a lot of pain. 
Yeah. I'm the same way, man. I, 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 there are certain things I go and do and I'm like, Oh, nope. Can't do that no more. Like yeah. I had some high speed dudes that, um, I just deployed with, they were MP unit and, uh, they're out there rocking and running, doing all this stuff. And they're like, sir, you were infantry. Come on out here and freaking rock with us. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a I'm young like, man's the game. My shins are messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got x-rays on my shins and I had literally spider cracks all through my shins. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that no more. <laughs> uh. I was like, if I go do that with you, I'm going to be on profile for the next like two months. So let's not do that one. <laughs> Man, yeah, you got to think longevity at this point. Yeah, exactly. That's why Tom Brady stuck around, right? I guess. Yeah, man. Yeah, that that's a sad uh, situation. But well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why that popped into my head, but fuck it. <laughs> um, what about the uh, life outside of military now? So I was, um, I was married, um, almost finished with my divorce. We've been separated for a year and a half, but. It's, you know, the marriage is over. She's moved on. I've moved on. We got two beautiful kids. Uh, I got a son that's five and a daughter that's six. Um, best thing to come out of the marriage, you know, we able to stay friends and everything for the kids and everything. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's that. And then I'm in the electrical apprentice um, program for the inside wireman and working on, you know, trying to become a journeyman. Okay. Probably not going to happen, though, because I'm trying to go back on um, active duty um, orders for the reserves. <laughs> Can't get enough of it, I guess. Or is that, that no, just that, uh, that easy good. money? Money is too good. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I make good money as, um, in a, as an apprentice and everything. But what I make on, you know, military status with O1 or O2E freaking status it's just night and day, you know. Yeah. Man, you had a wild, uh, little—not little. You had a wide-ranging story of uh, all kind of crazy stuff in your your military career. You're rocking it right now with the uh, in the in the officer category, which is crazy to me because you know I remember partying with you. I'm not gonna bring up no crazy shit. Yes, we did some crazy shit. We did some crazy shit that you know, Oh man, yeah. I will it, talk it's funny because I still party with some of my NCOs and stuff and they're like, Oh, I can see the NCO side of you. Yeah. Man. Yeah, man. We had funny. a good time, but to see you as an officer now, I'm like, you know what, it makes sense. Like everyone who does what they do, I'm like, it worked out for them. That's what they should be doing right now. Yeah, yeah. For real. And, and it's crazy. Like most of our guys obviously got out and stuff. And even through my career, I've seen a lot of guys get out. Um, there's not too many people who stay in anymore. And everybody's got their different reasons. You know, sometimes it's medical. Sometimes it's just, hey, I've had enough of this, you know, back to back deployments and all this stuff. And I had to take a break from it for a while. And I think that's why the guard and reserves is a little bit better for, you know, guys like us where we I mean, I was on active duty for three years and most of that time, it's funny because we talked to people and it's like most of that time we weren't even in Germany. We were in the field. We were in Kosovo, basic training in in Iraq. (laughs) Like, I don't even know how much time we actually spent in Germany actually being able to go out and enjoy ourselves. 
Yeah, it wasn't very much. It really wasn't. Like you break it down, you're like, damn, dude, maybe, maybe a year, maybe. Yeah, you combined really the whole time. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. Mm-hmm. Like we were, and, and and I, did you stay? How much longer did you stay after we got back from that deployment? Man, I was gone by June, I believe. Okay, so you left right after me. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, man. They were already talking about the next deployment. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, I heard what? that shit, and uh, I remember <laughs> Caldwell was like, "I'll pay you money to stay." I'm like, "Bro, <laughs> you can't pay me." Hell no, hell no, man. Bro, I'm... there was just too many, too many close calls, bro. Like, yeah, I mean, I I told you about the one with the mortar round. Mm-hmm. There was another one where I I took my two week leave. I went home. I enjoyed myself. My uncle took me down to the Keys down in, in Florida and everything. Like, I I got my mind so far away from Iraq. And then I get back and I still think about this this day. They came and picked us up from Brasville Mora at Balad in a five ton with no cover, no nothing. It's not armored, <laughs> nothing. We're driving back to Brassville Mora and we get hit by an IED mm. and I'm like yo like I just got back <laughs> we get blown up almost <laughs> luckily these idiots like didn't set the IED correctly and it like blew up outwards or like towards the you know like to the field instead of onto the road like it should have yeah and it saved a bunch of us you know there's a bunch of dudes sleeping in the back of a damn five ton because you fall asleep in the damn vehicle but bro that was an eye opener you're just like oh shit okay I'm back like head on a swivel again like back in this shit yeah it never and, leaves you it's always there yeah and I was just like and then these these guys were like oh are you guys gonna extend or are you guys gonna re-enlist and I was just like no like there was not a doubt in my mind that I knew I was going home I was like I'm done with this like there's I don't want to do this no more and you're already talking about going on the next appointment. Yeah. I don't know how skilling in them stayed, dude. I really, especially with skilling, everything he freaking saw, man, being a medic, I just. Yeah. It's um, crazy. That's off to him for everything like, that he did. Because you know that that deployment was rough. Yeah, man. Um, I lost a good friend the next one. Um, one of my buddies, Compost. Mm-hmm. He um, got his E6 and got blown up in IED. Uh, they sent him to launch stool. His his um, injuries were so bad, they sent him to Texas so that he could be closer to his family before he passed. Mm. And I was like, and I was supposed to, he, he was even asking me and my other buddy Urbina, he was like, hey, stay, you know, stay with us and everything. And I was like, dude, I'm done. Me and Urbina were like, no, we're out, bro. Like, I can't do this no more. <laughs> like, all the bullshit we went through, like, no, no thanks. Man, need a break. The I felt the same way about Messer with with him. Like uh, I mm-hmm. know that he was supposed to go to New York after, and he would mm-hmm. keep saying, "I'm gonna fucking die doing this deployment." I'm like, "No, dude, everything's gonna be okay." I remember Walker, him, and I driving from from Schweinfurt to the airport, dropped me off the last time, and okay. and we fucking had a blast in that car, played some fucked up music. You know, had some fun, and then uh, that was the last time I saw him. And he he ended up dying. You know, he died from an IED. Um, 
on that deployment, but fuck. Like, man, I, yeah, I thank God I got out when I did. Crazy, man. That next deployment was crazy. I, I mean, ours was crazy, but the IEDs and the e- uh, EFPs and all that stuff just ramped up big time and just I think more people got killed during that time with roadside bombs and all that stuff than like any other period in Iraq yeah that was a time for that well hey yeah, man. man it's um we we had a good ass talk man it's we're at the oh, yeah, hour absolutely. 20 minute mark <laughs> I think we can honestly go on for another hour if we could because there's Easy. so much shit to get into but you know, we got to keep uh, keep our time limit low, you know, keep it under under the bar. But thank you so much for coming on, dude. It was one of the oh, better shows I've had in a minute. Hey, you you guys did a great thing, bro. Like you guys started off. You you guys were talking about how like you just want to do it for yourselves. And I think you've reached so many different people. I've put people that I know on and they don't know any of us or anything, you know, but just listening to other veterans tell stories and being able to be like, you know what? I need to reach out to my buddies and I need to, you know, be able to tell my story to somebody else. So, bro, thank you, you and Kev, for freaking doing this and, you know, kind of bringing everybody back together. Man, that's awesome. I love it. That's the one of the points behind this, and uh, I'm glad it's working. Hopefully, oh, yeah. it'll continue to work. Oh, yeah, it will, bro. Yeah. It will. All right, brother. The woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to let you go, but hey. Thanks, thanks for coming on. And uh, everybody here, thanks for listening to Before I Forget. Please like, listen, share, subscribe, and all that junk. And uh, I'll hit you later. <laughs>